Hello, and welcome to Accountability Talks with AGA. I'm your host, Paul Marshall. Today, we speak with leadership from the D.C. chapter. We want to give you guys some hints and tips into how to go virtual, to keep things going for your chapters, and we have some uh, great ideas on how to conduct meetings and trainings, so tune in and check it out. Welcome to the podcast. So we're happy again today to have another virtual podcast, and uh, we have with us a couple of leaders from our uh, AGA DC chapter, and we want to have this podcast to give some ideas to other chapters out there throughout the the nation of, um, you know, how to still keep things moving in a virtual environment. So why don't I start off, we'll introduce our uh, guest today. So let's start with Paul. Hi. Thanks, Paul. This will be a little confusing because we have two Pauls on this podcast. So my name is Paul Leinikas. I'm president-elect for the AGA DC chapter, and I've been involved in AGA for quite a few years. Um, first of all, I was a member. Then I worked on the program committee for a few years. Uh, the program committee helps find speakers for luncheons and for events, and now I've been tapped to take on the president role. And I'm following up on my esteemed colleague, Melina Brookshire. Sure. Thanks, Paul. Um, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, my name is Melina Brookshire. I am the outgoing DC chapter president. Um, I have been with AGA for close to 13 years now. I began um, <clears throat> volunteering and participating in the organization very early in my career which um, I am very confident that helped me to move along in my career with great mentors and advisors and uh, other colleagues. So I'm happy to be here and uh, talk to everyone today. Great. Well, thanks again for joining us. Um, So we're going to go through some, um, I guess, lessons learned or just ideas based on what the D.C. chapter has done recently and that we've all been kind of in a virtual environment. So Let's start off with Paul to get your uh, your thoughts on, you know, how can a chapter conduct a virtual monthly meeting or monthly luncheon, uh, you know, now that we're kind of in that environment? Yeah, that's been a big shift for us because historically we've always had in-person events. So, you know, obviously that had to change starting in March. Uh, we watched with a bit of dismay as things got worse and worse. Uh, we're thankful that uh, chapter members are safe and everybody uh, that we know of seems to be healthy. Uh, so we decided we needed to shift everything to virtual. And once we made that choice, um, you know, once we got beyond things like working that out with our venue, canceling things, switching things up, um, we shifted fully into a virtual mode. And it was a great learning experience over the course of about a month, I would say. And there were various things that we did to ensure that we could be successful. Started off by, first of all, learning the tool that we were using and getting a good understanding of all the features and making sure that everybody understood them. Another thing that we did was we needed to hold practice sessions. So we started out with our first practice session. Um, Obviously, it was the first time. It was kind of challenging. Um, we learned from that. We held additional sessions, and we held sessions until basically we felt comfortable that 
we can get it right when we had a ton of people that were participating. Um, it was somewhat intense because of the fact that normally our luncheons are 100 to 150 people. And as registration was climbing, it got up to about 700 people. So we realized, hey, we really need to pack the system, make sure we know what we're doing. Another thing that we did is sort of a uh, distribution of roles, definition of roles. So we established who would be doing what and tried to be very clear cut about that. We had one person who basically was running the whole thing, right? Who kicked it off. We had a speaker, we had an introducer, we had a person to ask questions. We had a person to collect questions because now instead of somebody just raising their hand, they're coming in via chat. And so you have to look at the questions, decide which ones are best, which ones are appropriate. And so that person would feed the questions over to the person who would actually ask the questions. Um, so roles are very important. Another thing that we did is we defined some contingency actions or contingency, contingency plans. So for instance, um, we made sure that we had two people who were organizers for the session so that if one person who was running the session, if their internet connection suddenly died, we had another person who could pick it up, you know, hopefully without missing a beat. Luckily, we didn't have to try that out. Uh, so having some contingency plans, thinking about what can go wrong and having some mechanism in place to deal with them is a useful thing. We had people who were on separate chat sessions so that they could communicate in the background in case things went wrong. Another very important thing that we did is having, uh, well, we always have a run of show, but it's good to go beyond that. And in addition to have, having the run of show, having step-by-step -step instructions for who's going to do what and when. So for instance, the organizer would start off the meeting, the co-organizer would then get on, then the introducer and panelists would get on and you know everything was pretty well mapped out. So it's very important to have those step-by-step -step instructions so no one's confused about what they have to do. And finally, I'd say a good thing to do would be keeping track of what works and, and what you'd like to do better next time. Because there's always gonna be something you miss. When we did our first virtual luncheon, the luncheon had started and I thought to myself, wow, we could have just recorded this whole session and put it on our website, but we were so busy getting ready for this, none of us ever thought of that. So there's always gonna be things that you forget or that you miss and uh, you just pick it up and do it better the next time. So that's some thoughts on how to conduct virtual monthly meetings. So, Paul, what um, what technology did you use or what is available out there? There's a lot of different stuff available, and now there's, there's even more. Obviously, more people are jumping into the market. Uh, and it's interesting, there's not only virtual meeting um, software out there, but there's virtual conference systems where you can have a virtual booth and virtual visitors and all that kind of stuff. But we used um, GoToWebinar. That was a tool that was graciously uh, provided to us to use by AGA National. Um, and it worked well. So, um, you know, I think a lot of the tools, there's some pros and cons. I think they, they all provide basic, roughly the same functionality. And uh, it's just a question of knowing the tool that you're using and, 
and making sure everybody else is familiar with how to use it. Little things like how do I, how do you mute? How do you turn off your video camera? All those kinds of things. And um, did AGA, so is AGA making that available to other chapters, I'm assuming, or do you know? I do not know for sure, but I believe that they did make it available to other chapters too. Yeah, yes, uh, yes, they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Um, so, and actually, Melina, let me ask you. So, we, how do you think that meeting went? The one we did, um, I thought it was great. Actually, as a participant, um, I thought it was very clear. I thought the handoffs were good. I thought the speaker. I could see the speaker. I could see the speaker slides. Um, I mean, what, did you get any feedback from that, Melina? Yeah, I mean, you know, what, what's great about it, um, as uh, the president um, at that time, I get to open a meeting, and then I get to take a deep breath and relax and let the show happen, right? So um, similarly, um, I opened it, and then I was really able to um, observe as a participant, and I thought it went really, really well. Um, we did get lots of great feedback. Uh, people thought that the speaker, Melanie, uh, was fantastic. And then just being able to access the uh, training and the program remotely made it very easy for people. Number one, they're already home working remotely. Number two, it allowed for them um, some flexibility. Um, Our luncheons, as uh, Paul was saying, are usually in person, which does require a bit of planning and scheduling for folks that might not have the time all of the time. So we did see such a spike in attendance, and I do believe a lot of that was due to folks having an easier way to join in and connect and participate, and folks really thought it was a really great program. So lots of great feedback, and like I said, because I was able to open it and sit back and and really participate um, and listen in, I thought it went well as well. Right, yeah, and it was... um... You know, as we said before, I think our usual attendance is, you know, what, around 100 or something, and this ended up being over 700, so it was uh, very surprising and a great thing. I mean, I think a good thing for future meetings, too. Hopefully, we can keep getting that kind of attendance. Absolutely. Well, I want to clarify. Oh, go ahead, Melina. I'm sorry. Oh, just, just one other thing. Also, um, the topic was relevant, right? And it was very timely for what people are experiencing right now, having Melanie talk about um, where we are today and working remotely and then all of the fascinating work that NASA is doing, it was just the right time. And so that was very consistent with how we typically approach our luncheons is, you know, what matters to our members and other um, colleagues uh, right now that can help them not only do their work better, but be more effective and hear, you know, some of the innovations and things that, that um, are happening uh, in the financial management community. And Paul, I just wanted to mention, I, you know, we had about 700 or so that signed up. We had about 450 that actually attended. Um, I think that's pretty good, actually, given the fact that with a virtual event, it's sort of easier to blow off. And also, we didn't charge anything for this. We offered it to our membership for free because of the unique situation and the fact that we had had to cancel the previous month's lunch. And so, you know, when, it, when it's a free event, sometimes people are not as diligent about showing up. Right. And that's something we'll, we'll talk a little bit near the end here about how we see the future coming the next chapter year. Um, so, because, yeah, I mean, I think if it's totally free, sometimes folks don't come. But even if we charge a little bit of money, it'll kind of get the skin in the game and 
it's you know we still we're we have a, we're a working chapter we have to collect revenues to run the organization so we're going to need that but uh yeah we'll get into that but um let's now go to also paul i wanted to ask you about some other things that folks can do virtually um so training for example um what what are you guys doing as far as training is concerned or ideas on that well we're we're thinking about what we're going to do uh, first of all we've we've had webinars that we occasionally had for from for the chapter for a long time we participate in the aj national webinars so a lot of training has already been virtual what we're faced with now is deciding what we're going to do for our annual spring training this year we had to cancel it because it was right in the heart of the pandemic next year we don't know we don't know if we'll be able to have it in person or have it virtual what we do know is that we pretty much have to plan that it could go either way uh, for right now. We may, you know, decide and go one way or the other later on. Uh, I think one of the, the main things with the training is that generally a training is going to be a longer session than the virtual meeting, luncheon, or other type of event. So, for instance, our annual training is two days. Well, one of the nice things about the virtual training is that since people are not going to be traveling to get to, to be all in one location, we don't necessarily have to have it all uh, over the course of two days. We can break it up. So we can do two one-day sessions, you know, separate, so that it's a little easier on people's schedules. Or we could do it as a series of half-day sessions. So that's something that we're going to look at as far as how we want to run it. And that way people can get work done in between. They're not gone for a long time and come back to a, you know, crushing workload in their inbox or anything like that. It gives them a little bit more of a break. That's important because in the virtual environment, you're dealing with less stimulation, if you will, right? So when we're there in person, we see other people. Um, there might be some you know, chatting during the session between participants or passing notes like we're school children again or something like that or texting each other. So there tends to be a bit less stimulation and you have to offset that when you're in a virtual setting. Uh, it's really, in a virtual setting, it's really tempting for people to just start multitasking. They're sitting there at the desk, they have the session up, they're watching it, all of a sudden they see an important email comes in, right? It's similar to what people have with their cell phones when they're in a, in a face-to-face training session, but I'd say magnified, you know, beyond that because no one can see them. No one can see what they're doing, and so there's a bit more of that that probably goes on. So you really have to keep it stimulating to keep people engaged. Um, it's real important to have good handoffs in that situation. I think that probably applies to both meetings and to uh, training sessions and uh, breaks are really important. You know, the longer the session gets, you got to give people a bit of time to get up and move around. Um, And so it becomes even more important, I think, in a virtual session. Mm -hmm. Right. And, uh, you know, I know AGA National has obviously been doing the PDT both in person and virtually for many years. This year is all virtual, but, um, you know, I'm sure there's some things that they've learned from that, maybe things that we, we might want to take from them as well. But um, I totally agree. I think the, especially with virtual, I think if you do too much in one day, people get a little bit burned out too. I don't know if you guys have seen that. 
Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Even with all the meetings, you know, we're all having, uh, it, it can be people get, you know, meeting fatigue when it comes to the teleconferencing um, and all the web conference calls. So just doing our best to stay mindful of that. Yeah, there's no substitute for having people get up and walk around a bit. Right. Even if it's in their own home. Right. And that's something um, I guess we'll need to think about for next year. If we do end up doing some virtual, you know, spring trainings or different trainings, would it just, would it just be virtual? Would it be a combination? Because, you know, some folks are opening up now and, you know, some social distancing, some uh, there's a lot of places are trying to open up again. Um, and, and as I'm sure, you know, doing a virtual session versus a in-person would have different breaks and things. So it'd be a little more tricky. So something to think about, right? Okay. Well, you know, for, from my point of view, having gone from having luncheons of between 100 to 150 people to having one where 450 people showed up, I have a hard time justifying going back to events that are solely in person because our purpose here is to serve our community. And if we can reach 450 people instead of 150, we sort of have to do that. So it used to be more of an issue that people weren't used to the technology and weren't that comfortable with it. But I think we're all pretty much over that at this point, right? And we've all had to use it extensively for the last few months. We've all had a crash course in virtual meeting technology. So I think people are pretty comfortable with it. And another aspect of it, I originally was a little bit nervous about virtual events, you know, starting with say the, the national PDT, because I thought that it would detract from people coming on site and interacting more. But the experience that national had was that people wouldn't have been able to attend were able to participate virtually, they saw the value, and then they were interested in going in person in succeeding years. So it actually, the virtual participation actually drove not just more virtual participation, but more in-person participation as well. Yeah, and even when we do get to a point where we are welcoming members back to in-person events or trainings, um, our luncheon program, which was a really big, um, uh, high, heavy attended event for us, we have so many other ways that members can interact um, in person through our other events and networking uh, programs. So um, there still will be that aspect of it because I know that's something that people really miss um, to be able to connect with each other in person. And we will still continue that programming when we um, are able to. Um, to provide that with with uh, to our members, and one thing to note, as Paul was mentioning, the technology is allowing people to still, you know, break out in small groups and have you know side sessions as part of a bigger session. So, um, just as Paul mentioned, we're all learning to use the technology more effectively and in ways that um, still enhance our participation and have you know great ways to engage the members. Um, and we're starting to see a lot of that now. Great. Well, so uh, let's, uh, Melina, let me ask you on a different topic. Um, Just want to get other thoughts. What what else can uh, AGA members do, chapter members do, um, if while we're still kind of in a virtual world, you know, CGFM prep or other types of things, you know, what what do you recommend? 
sure. Yeah, and, and a lot of this is very relevant to what we're talking about and some of the things we're saying, um, you know, uh, as our luncheon uh, program, as an example, um, being able to continue with training and learning virtually has a lot of benefits, right? Um, the accessibility that Paul mentioned, we were able to reach hundreds of members um, uh, from our virtual session that we wouldn't otherwise have been able to, to reach. And that could be for a number of re accessibility reasons, but the, the good thing is we were able to, to reach them and increase our, our reach there. Um, there's also a little more flexibility. Um, as I talked about, uh, there allows for you to um, schedule, you know, you might have only that hour for the program and not the three hours that it might take for you to get there and then get back to work. Um, so that flexibility is there. Um, and, and also um, that ability to, to learn just in time. And that's something that, you know, particularly with the CGFM training um, and sessions that AGA National is offering and us as a chapter, we do support that with access to uh, uh, study materials and study guides. And we're gonna be exploring maybe some virtual study sessions with, to get members together as they're working through it that they might've otherwise done in person. Um, but it allows for that just-in-time learning, right? So people have more opportunities to study um, around their schedules. And right now, for many of us, that work schedule might be a little irregular as we're trying to balance multiple things at home. So um, it's great knowing that National um, is now offering um, some new virtual options. They have the online self-paced um, learning uh, instructor-led courses that were at one point only in person. And then there's also uh, live virtual training. Um, and so we've been able to share that with our members to take advantage of that. And again, we have always offered access to our members to study guides and materials that they can do on their own. Uh, but having national um, introduce these new programs that folks can access on their own time and from wherever their space is does make it that much easier for our members to continue training and to get new training for those who um, are interested in CGFM and who do not have it yet. Right. And I'll throw in there too. Uh, I think I've mentioned this before on other podcasts, but you know, if you go on the AGA website, there's it, they basically have a calendar of events for chapters throughout the country. So hopefully if other chapters do Absolutely. start going virtual, yeah, if they, you know, you could maybe attend some of their meetings or if they have an interesting speaker or an interesting training, you can attend something outside of your area. Right. Which might, you know, really help to encourage that more um, as people are looking for ways to to learn more and engage and get and get training you know, uh, for the CGFM and otherwise. Um, it does make it, you know, now folks are saying, OK, well, it's not so bad, you know, learning at my own pace or, or plugging into a to a live program or training. So it does make it that much more accessible. So that's been great. Right. So let me ask you, too, this is more just in general, but uh, for Melina again, you know, what are some uh, ways that, uh, that you've been able to keep yourself productive, you know, for not just AGA kind of things, but just for work itself? You know, how have you kind of kept uh, things positive and kept things productive? Maybe some things to share with us. Yeah, thanks. Um, yes, <laughs> that has definitely been been a shift there um you know not only for myself but um for uh, my staff as well and making sure that they have what they need to stay productive and, and making sure to continuing to communicate with them um to make sure that you know uh the work of my organization is still moving along and you know there are uh some of those basic tips that i know everyone is aware of you know get out of bed right <laughs> um and, and not just uh you know uh, 
literally, but figuratively. So I think, you know, it's easy to sort of grab your laptop and phone um, while you're just kind of waking up and still in bed. But it's really important to make sure that your physical space is um, really supportive of being productive, um, whatever that looks like, just making sure that you're one, comfortable and not, you know, hunching over and your body isn't uncomfortable, but also making sure that mentally you're in a space that's organized and tidy and a space where you can really focus to get things done. Um, committing to a daily work schedule is also really important. And that's something that uh, we talk a lot about with, uh, with our staff is making sure that folks aren't working more than they might otherwise. It's really easy to do. You're sort of in place. You just start working and you have your to-do list and you keep going. And before you know it, you know, it's, it's past the time that you would have normally worked. And, and right now, whatever that daily schedule looks like, as I mentioned before, it might be irregular um, compared to how it used to be. But whatever it is, find something that you can stick to and work with. And that does make it a lot easier. Um, and sort of moving from the to-do list to more of a calendar, right? So what are the things I'm going to do today? Um, because sort of the to-do list can really suck people in, and then you have people who are being a little less productive on that curve as they just deal with uh, fatigue and, and being overworked and overtired. So that's definitely something. Um, just a couple more things, you know, something that has been really important is just breaking those usual digital habits. Um, sometimes when we're at home, we might turn on the TV, or we might, you know, be on our personal phone more than we otherwise would, because, you know, mentally, we're in, we're home, we're in a different space. So really making sure that we uh, break those digital habits when we need to, um, so that we can focus on the work. Because right now, you know, we have uh, some other and new digital habits that we're doing with our work that we might not have otherwise been doing a year ago, um, which are really great in helping with productivity, but just making sure that we're taking a break from and being mindful of some of those digital habits that aren't so productive um, while we're working remotely. Um, and then another thing to, uh, you know, communicate, can't do it enough, especially, you know, with colleagues, uh, with our supervisors or, you know, whoever you're working with, just make sure that the communication lines are open. Um, it is sometimes, you know, a little more difficult now when, you know, we're all working remotely. It's still very important to make sure that we're scheduling meetings with people and we're not simply just picking up the phone. People might be, you know, they might be doing something. You can't just pop into the office and you see that they're not so busy and you can start chatting. So it sometimes makes us more mindful of, of making sure that we're reaching out to people um, when we need to and uh, making sure that we're clear. You know, sometimes things are just lost in translation. So just making sure there's constant and frequent communication with colleagues um, in a way that's productive and helps uh, move the work along. Um, and so, you know, that's something, it's staying healthy, you know, getting outside every now and again, and Paul alluded to that, it's nice to have breaks. Um, I think, you know, we're in a world now, we're kind of going from, you know, one Zoom call or one Teams meeting to the next, but it's nice to, um, you know, make sure that folks are, you know, getting up to stretch or grab a cup of coffee or just, you know, uh, take a rest. Um, it's really important to make sure that folks are staying healthy while we're working remotely um, and getting used to a, a new and different way of working. Absolutely. Well, I just have a couple more questions for you guys since we're kind of getting close here on the time. Um, so maybe we'll go back to Paul um, to talk about, you know, how we think the new year is going to go, what, what, what you guys are going to, what's, what's, you know, what's the chapter looking to do to, to set up a, a program for the year, you know, whether it's virtual or mix, you know, what, what are you guys thinking, Paul? Well, there's one thing that we absolutely know 
and that is that we really don't know right now. <laughs> you know, we just have to look at this and think, okay, things are going to be uncertain for a while, and we're going to have to deal with that. So how do we best deal with that? Flexibility, right? Making sure that we have options, not necessarily we're trying to minimize the, the degree to which we commit to one direction or, or another. Uh, planning, being open to new ways of doing things, exploring. So, I mean, as far as how I think it, it'll go, I think uh, virtual is not going to go away. I think there's going to be a slow shift back to the high, you know, return to some degree of in-person interaction. And it's really hard to say what degree that's going to be. I mean, if you just look at returning to in-person events, some people just aren't going to be comfortable with in-person events for a long time, you know, and some people, I mean, if they are older, if they have health issues, they have family members who have health issues, you know, they, that it's, it's a higher risk for them. So they're going to have to be slower in terms of coming back. Uh, some people come to our luncheons downtown because they're downtown, but you know, we don't know when they're going to be downtown again. The people are going to come back to different agencies and different companies in waves. One of the things that, that we've been talking with organizations about is assessing productivity as you figure out how people return to the workplace, right? If they're pro productive and working fine at home, leave them home for a while longer, right? If their, their productivity is impaired, well, then you prioritize bringing them back and you take appropriate mm -hmm. steps to keep them safe. Uh, it is going to be interesting, but we can also look at this in terms of, wow, this is such a big problem and, and such a hassle, but we can also look at it as this is a great opportunity. We never would have been able to make these kind of changes and make them this quickly if it hadn't been for this crisis. So I think the move to some degree of virtual is a good thing. Uh, I think it's something that it's going to persist and we're not going to abandon it. And all in all, that'll lead to greater participation over the course of the next year. Yeah. And Melina, I mean, maybe you can add your thoughts too, and then maybe add on to that in general, like Paul was alluding to what other positive things have we actually seen from this? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think uh, just as Paul mentioned, as we look ahead, um, you know, the safety of our members are of utmost importance, of course, um, and just making sure that we offer um, training and programming that um, will be able to be accessible to all, um, if not um, most. So um, as Paul said, just being mindful that some folks might not be comfortable for a while, but knowing that we will continue to offer programming as we always have um, to reach the broadest um, set of our members. So that will continue to be a focus. And I think that, you know, through all of this, um, there's, there's so much to learn, right? And I think that it's so important that as we continue to move through, that we continue to take stock. Um, and a lot of it is that a lot of us, um, you know, connectedness uh, does not have to happen in person. And I think that we're seeing that in our workplaces. We're seeing that in organizations like AGA. We're seeing that people, when they feel connected to uh, an organization's mission or, um, uh, you know, a company's product or their focus, or they're very much connected to um, uh, the mission of an organization, that there alone helps for people to stay engaged. 
um, and whether that's engaged in a, a current work project or product or engaged in an organization, that connectedness is, is what we're seeing. Um, it's still very much alive and well and vibrant, um, even though we all might be working in uh, separate and remote spaces. So I think if we continue to capitalize on that and tap into that, uh, we'll all be okay. Um, and, and the work, uh, whether it's the work of an organization or a company or the good work of, or of an organization will continue to happen. Um, and so that's one thing, definitely. And then two, um, really embracing the technology. Uh, and Paul mentioned that earlier. Some folks were a little skittish at first, like, well, how is the security going to work? Or how is that going to work? Um, and those are all really valid questions. We want to make sure that people are uh, digitally uh, safely and secure. At the same time, um, we, we definitely don't want to uh, hinder the amount of, of growth. Um, and the amount of productivity we can uh, realize if we simply embrace the technology. You know, it's interesting now we just pick up our phones and we use them, right? There was a time when people were like, well, how does this thing work? We're a little less concerned about that now because we know it works and it helps us to get so many things done personally and professionally. And so I think if we uh, have an eye um, toward that of, of really being able to um, use the te technology to help us move along um, uh, that'll be another way that we can continue to, to move forward and continue to learn from what we've, we've seen so far. Great. And then uh, how about Paul, are you any last, uh, last gems for us here as we're wrapping it up? Sure. Um, what's really important here is that we, following on with what Melina just said, we really need to ensure that people can still interact and still get what they need. AGA is a service organization. We're dedicated to providing our members with opportunities for education, for opportunities for networking, for certification. We need to still provide all that, and we may provide it in a slightly different form, but we're very much con committed to still providing our, our membership and our sponsors with what they need. And so it'll be different, but it'll still be good. It'll be interesting, and I think it'll be fun too. Great. Well, on that note, I think uh, thank you both, Paul and Malena, for joining us today. And uh, I think we had some great uh, thoughts for our other chapters, and we can we can take from that. So thanks again for joining the show. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in. As usual, check us out at agacgfm.org. Getting a lot of podcasts out there. We're over our uh, milestone of 50 here, so uh, looking forward to another 50, hopefully, uh, in the next year or so. So keep those ideas coming. And until next time, this is Paul Marshall signing off for Accountability Talks with AGA.